Chuck Swindoll, you know who he is? Famous teacher. He said, when you feel apathetic in your life or in your walk with Jesus, he said, read the book of Acts. And you just see how the early church, the, the early disciples, what they were willing to do and how God used them and just the awakening that they had, the reality of the resurrected Jesus that to go into all the world and tell them the, the good news. And, and when I've been reading the book of Acts, that's been happening to me, is just realizing we are connected to what happened in the book of Acts. You know why? Because that commission to go into all the world and preach the good news and then, and, you know, when everybody's heard, then the end will come. That hasn't happened yet. So we participate in what's going on in the book of Acts um, it, with our lives in our, in our church. And I want to thank everybody. I've had a lot of feedback on this series that people have enjoyed this and you're getting a lot out of that. That's always good to hear that you're actually learning something. So I do appreciate I don't need, you know, too many not looking for pats on the back, but that's helpful, you know, just to, to know that. So we're in Acts We've titled this series Kingdom Go. If you remember, we did Luke to start the year, and that was Kingdom Come. And we highlighted the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And then Jesus told his disciples, go in to all the world. Go to, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we see that unfold in the, in the book of Acts. Next week, we're going to see how it went, began to go to the ends of the earth, not just Jerusalem and Judea and the Israel area. So today I've titled the message, When the Church Prays. How many have been affected in a good way when the church prays? Yeah, we all have. So I'm going to read out of Acts chapter 12, and we're going to talk about when the church prays. It says, about that time, King Herod violently attacked some who belonged to the church. And he executed James, John's brother, with the sword. Let me call a time out there. James is one of the twelve, this particular James. He is the first of the twelve to be killed or to be martyred. Now James, Paul called Peter, James, and John the pillars of the church. They walked with Jesus. They were not just part of the twelve Peter, James, and John were, were Jesus' core group, literally his core group. That was his inner circle. And I think Jesus in his humanity models that we need core people in our life that we can gather. The 12, obviously, Jesus loves everybody, but in, in his humanity, you can't be close that close to 12 people. That's just not reality. Thank God, when he went back to heaven, he poured out his spirit, and Jesus is totally connected with all of us, you know, just in the same way he was with his core guys. But this rocked the church. Losing James, a pillar in the church. You gotta, when you're reading scripture, put yourself in the mind of the, of the reader, of who was reading this, or what, when it happened. Think about Peter. We're going to read about him. That was one of his best friends. One of his best friends was killed for proclaiming the gospel. So it goes on to say, when he saw Herod, when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter, too. He's going after the other, another pillar. During the festival of unleavened bread. After the arrest, he put him in prison and assigned four squads of four soldiers, each to guard him, intending to bring him out to the people after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison. Here we go. But the church 
was praying fervently to God for him. When Herod was about to bring him out for trial, that very night, Peter, bound with two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers, while the sentries in the front of the door guarded the prison. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. Striking Peter on the side, he woke him up, gave him a good old nudge, and he said, he said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Get dressed, the angel told him, and put on your sandals. And he did. Wrap your cloak around you, he told him, and follow me. So he went out and followed, and he did not know that what the angel did was really happening, but he thought he was seeing a vision. You think? After they passed the first and second guards, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened to them by itself. They went outside and passed one street, and suddenly the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's grasp and from all that the Jewish people expected. As soon as he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was called Mark, where many had assembled and were praying. He knocked at the door of the outer gate, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer. She recognized Peter's voice. And because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing at the outer gate. You're out of your mind, they told her. Remember, they're praying for Peter's release, and it happens. Oh, come on. They said, it is his angel. Peter, however, kept knocking. Come on, guys. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were amazed, motioning to them with his hand to be silent. He described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. Tell these things to James and the brothers. James is the the other James in the Bible is the half-brother of Jesus who became a leader in the church. He said, and he left and he went to another place. At daylight, there was a great commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had searched and did not find them, he interrogated the guards and ordered their execution. Then Herod went down from Judea to Caesarea, and he stayed there. Wow. That's not a fairy tale. That happened. And it was written down for us to remember what happens when the church prays. What happens when we come together and when we pray? A couple things. We're going to dissect this passage that I just read. First of all, if you're taking notes, God hears and answers when the church prays. He hears and he answers when the church prays. There was a huge problem. James, pillar in the church, was executed. Now, Peter, another pillar in the church, he's about to be executed. Huge problem they were facing. Not too long ago, Brian and Jill were faced with a huge problem. When their little son, Channing, was diagnosed with a cancerous tumor in his nasal passage, 
But the church prayed. And when the church prays, God hears and he answers. They went to hearing that these words of cancer and facing this difficulty to several appointments later, it's not cancer. It went from cancer to not cancer to a procedure to remove it, and he's going to be okay. God hears and answers when the church prays. I thank you, God, for that. A couple things about prayer. Prayer is an act of dependence and trust. It's an act of dependence, and it's an act of trust. God will answer your prayers, and he may answer yes, no, or not yet. Yes, no, or not yet. He, and it's, but we have to trust that how he answers our prayers is best. Trusting in God is, first of all, trusting in his goodness, that God is good. Everything he does is good, and he always knows what's best. So if he answers no to something, it's because he has your best interest at heart. He might be saying not yet to something. You might need to grow in an area of your life. He might be maturing your faith. Who knows why sometimes he doesn't answer right away with the yes. Sometimes he does. Just boom. <laughs> but, the, but prayer is an act of trust. You're trusting in his goodness. And because he's good, you can trust in his sovereignty. And you can trust in his timing. That's the key. In our humanness, that's hard to always... We want it now, right? We don't want to wait. We want God to zap something so that it happens in the moment when we're ready. But just trust that he's good. Prayer is an act of worship. Not just singing worship, but when you pray, you're worshiping God. The word worship is, comes from the old English word worth-ship. How, much, how worthy is God? And it's worship. So when we praise God and we pray to him, we're, we're ascribing worship to him. Prayer is an act of participating with God. Think about that. When you pray, you're participating with God in what he's doing in the world and in other people's lives. The, the, the saying that prayer changes things, that's not a cliche. I've really grown and used to think, eh, you know, I, I, knew, I know it does. But then when you, you see prayer change lives and things that we've witnessed, it's like, whoa, God called us to participate with him. If you go back to the garden, Adam and Eve, they were called to participate with God in stewarding the garden. Israel was called to participate with God in redeeming the nations and showing what, what God expected of people and so forth, ultimately fulfilled with Jesus. So you, believer, have been called to participate with God through your prayers. So, and then prayer is about relationship with God. Prayer is about relationship. It's not some religious duty. It's not a religious duty. Don't let prayer be some kind of burden. You're talking to your heavenly Father. You're bringing your needs and the needs of others before the one who's the good sovereign king of the universe. That's what prayer is. And so prayer is developed. It's developed individually. The more you, the more you pray, the more confident you, you pray. The more you pray with others, the more you begin to see this unity of prayer when the church prays. Second thing, God does miracles when the church prays. Said that the 
church was praying fervently for Peter, the angel came and rescued Peter miraculously. I mean, they had, if those guards would have woke up, he'd be dead. I mean, they, had, they treated him like he was some sort of superhero that they had to watch out with the chains and the four sets of guards and an iron gate. And the angel just says, boop, see ya, open the door. P- Peter, I gotta go, you're out. <laughs> you know, go participate with God in the church, right? I want to tell you that every Thursday morning, we have a prayer meeting here at the church, or you can join online at 9.30. And we've been doing that pretty faithfully for nine years, and we've seen so many answers to prayers that we've prayed for and just brought before the Lord. So if you didn't know that we have that, you can join us either way at 9.30. And also, you can be part of the I Pray team. So if you, you, the I Pray team when you sign up for that, you get an email when a prayer request comes in so that you can pray, so that the church can be praying over prayer requests that come in. So if you'd like to do that, um, it's easy to do. Just go through the app and say, I want to be part of the I Pray team. But God does miracles when the church prays. In the case of Peter, the door, the gate was literally open. But in another sense, God opens doors when the church prays. Most of you probably know Francisco and Vesna and Sarah. Um, I know they're in here somewhere. Uh, what a blessing to the church Francisco uh, and Vesna and Sarah are. Getting to know them, and yeah, they're... You are very loved, family. Um, they're from Mexico, and... Francisco had a, a job where he had a, a work visa, whatever you call those things. He had a work visa, but the job itself was, um, was not good, ultimately, in the environment. And he had a hope and dream of getting a, a better job in a more stable environment. And, but, but not taking the work visa from that job caused them to, have to almost have to go back to Mexico. And they have put down roots here. They love it here. They're part of the church, and they're growing. Their daughter didn't want to move and, and all of that. So he began to look for other jobs and went to Google. Francisco's one of those really smart guys, right? Like, I'm not even in his favorite 10, top 10, like, when it comes to that, brains. But he, uh, they wanted this job. He was qualified. He should get the job, and he didn't get the job. And not getting that job caused them to be on the brink of almost packing their stuff, literally packing their stuff to have to move. And little did they know that God was working in Brad and Carrie Johan's life, right? Behind the scenes in another situation, Brad and Carrie, like, left, he left a great job to jump off the cliff and start his own business by faith. Um, literally, it was a cliff you jumped off. And you're like, okay, catch me, God. And been there. So Brad had a, a carry in, in Vesna. Oh, let, me, let me, I don't want to go too, too uh, fast forward just yet. Vesna told me that, and we had been praying, you guys, their home group, people had been praying over and over and over for their situation. And uh, got to that point where when Francisco didn't get the job at Google, she was depressed. 
bummed out. She literally told me that she was on the couch just crying and so disappointed. And she called her good friend Laura Rector. Laura, you get a shout-out. Our very first person we ever baptized at Novation was Laura Rector. So, yeah. And she called Laura, and Vesna told me that she was, she was cussing in Spanish and English on the phone. She was so frustrated. Sometimes you've got to be real, right? And um, I don't know what those Spanish words are, but she said that Laura just said, Hey, I love you, friend, and I'm praying for you. Something happened in her heart. A little bit of faith rose up. That same night, Francisco came home from work, and they were on the couch, and they hear a knock on the door, and it's the Dennis family. Brought them some cookies and said, hey, we love you, and we're praying for you. A little bit more faith when the church prays. Well, Carrie and Vesna meet at a women's event, talk about their situation. Brad's starting this, this new business, and... Basically, to make a long story short, jumping through all the bureaucratic hoops that had to be jumped, he got to hire Francisco, got all the work visa stuff in place, and they get to be here and continue to see God move and to see God doing great things in that business and in their lives. And just, you know, it changed their lives. It literally did that. Door opening changed their lives. Thank you, God, for that. And any person in that story, that I t- if you talk to them, will say, hey, God had to do it. It was God. But when the church prays, God does miracles. Doors are open. Second thing, that is lives are changed and needs are met when the church prays. When I was a first in ministry doing youth ministry, you don't get into ministry to make money, unless you're a TV preacher maybe, but that's a whole other story. Um, Oh, no, I didn't. I did. Um, you, just, you know, I had a, a bill, a, a, a bid for fixing this Ford Taurus that was exactly $1,600. And I didn't have $1,600. So I remember I went to my prayer group, and I, I wasn't asking them for money. I just was like, I need wisdom. I don't know what to do. Do I sell the car or whatever? And I told my prayer group, I said, I have this problem with my car. And this guy goes, well, how much do you need? And I said, $1,600. And he said, well, the Lord woke me up this morning and told me somebody has a need of $1,600. And he paid for, for that. And he said, the Lord told him to do that. When the church prays, needs are met. Lives are changed. Go back through the history of Novation, and we've seen families adopt internationally. Think of all the prayer that went in for those families. Uh, they've moved, some have moved to other states or moved on, but man, that was part of our history of walking with people and just seeing the ups and downs and difficulties. But when the church prays, lives are changed. And those little, two little boys and that little girl's life, well, they're not so little anymore, but they've grown. But they are, their lives were changed, impacted when the church prays. One more on this. I don't know if many of you will remember who Christina Frazier is, but she's somebody that I knew. That lives in Colorado Springs, but her son was born with a heart problem and had to go through this 
difficulty series of surgeries and so forth so that he was staying in a hospital up here and they were living up in Westminster and they would come to church here and you know get fed and fellowship and uh, we were praying when the church prays right but not only did we pray like some of you began to bring them meals and you supported that family and you supported them and everywhere through prayer and and just caring for one another and she was so blown away that even though they go to church in Colorado Springs and live down there, when they came time after their son, who, who is on the road to health and healing, when he, um, they wanted to dedicate him, dedicate him, they wanted to do it here because this is of the, how their lives were changed and touched. So God does miracles when the church prays. And then God encourages the church when the church prays. When we pray and see God open doors and answer, doesn't that encourage your faith? It does me. A couple weeks ago, if you were here, we had baptism. And I got to baptize both my, my high school friend and my college roommate, get, baptize him and watch him declare his, his uh, faith in Jesus. Well, Mike has quite the story. Like He was a, not a believer up until about a year and a half ago. And he probably would have called himself agnostic-ish at best. And I remember when um, I first became a Christian at the age of 25, and he was like, well, Scott, you needed something. Like, I was so out there, I needed something, but he, he didn't need it, you know? And I was like, well, you'll, you'll figure it out too, bro. But in Christmas of around Christmas of 2019, he got diagnosed with cancer, pancreatic cancerous tumor. And he called me, very scared. And we prayed, and I shared the gospel with him. And then you began to pray for him. We put it out on the I Pray team. Well, through his surgeries, he, the cancer wasn't as bad, maybe even lethal as they thought it, it would have been. And he knew God had done something. You know, when the church prays, God does miracles, and then we get encouraged by it. And so that day of, you know, of baptizing Mike and seeing how far he had come in his walk, I was encouraged. God, I've been praying for Mike for, you know, 25 years or more to come to know the Lord. In our story, Peter was encouraged. Remember, after the angel left him, he kind of came to his senses, and he says, now I know that it was really the angel of the Lord that rescued me from Herod's plot, from the, the plans of the Jewish people to es- execute me. He was encouraged. Then the church was encouraged. The young servant girl named Rhoda, you know, she goes to the door and she's like, whoa, it's Peter, and just loses herself and do- doesn't let him in and just, you know... She was so overjoyed by that. I think that's cool how that, that's in... in they, put that part in the story. When I think of my own conversion experience, becoming a follower of Jesus, my family had been praying for me, you know, fervently. Their life group prayed for me fervently. And I was lost. I was walking in the darkness big time. And, but they prayed for me, prayed. They kept praying. They kept praying. Well, God had been drawing me and on October 26, 1992, I became a follower of Jesus. I was in 
I worked with my dad, and we had an office out at 6th and Union out there in, in Lakewood. And I, I was the day before God had been drawing me and opening my heart, my mind, and my eyes. And that day I just I prayed. I said, Lord, I don't get all this, but I'm trusting you to be my Savior. I'm giving my life back to you. And in that moment, I had a vision where, you know, like outside of an old theater, they put the, the letters of whatever kind of the name of the play or movie or whatever. I saw one of those, and it said, Believe, and I'll show you the way. And don't we want it to be the other way around? I'll show you the way, then you can believe, right? Like, show me how this is all going to work out. But that's not faith. That's not how God works. Believe, and I'll show you the way. So my dad was huge in me coming to Jesus in that he hated my lifestyle, but he loved me. He was always willing to spend time with me. He wasn't ashamed of me. And uh, we were going to lunch that day, and as we were driving, I, that, I, I told my dad, I said, Dad, I gave my life to Christ this morning. And it was like these guys. He goes, oh, okay. Then all of a sudden he realized what I had told him, and it hit his heart. He pulled the car over, and he hugged me, and he fell on my neck, and he cried like a little, a little baby, tears of joy, that God had answered his prayer. Well, he called my family and told them, hey, Scott's following Jesus now. And they were all like, are you sure? Uh, we're talking about Scott here, right? He's the same son, or you have a different son named Scott? They, they couldn't believe it. Like, really? After all of this, he's now following Jesus? And it took them a little bit to get that. So the church was encouraged. But let's look at for a second. Why didn't they believe it was Peter at first? I think there's two possibilities. Maybe they were still maturing, you know? Maybe they were still maturing in their, their own faith. But... I think it's the reality is this. Did you catch that in there when Rhoda said it's Peter? They said, you're out of your mind. It's his angel. Did you catch that when I read that? Well, you know, it, sometimes we think it's unbiblical to say that people have guardian angels. But Jesus affirms guardian angels in Matthew chapter 18. When he's telling the people about the little ones, let the little ones come to me. He says, for their angels see the very face of my father. And so there was a, 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 a real belief that they had a guardian angel, but not only do you have a guardian angel, there was a belief, at least then, that your guardian angel looked just like you. So their fear was Peter had already been executed. You're just seeing his angel. You catch that? And I think that's the right answer why they, they couldn't believe. They thought he was already toast. They thought he had already, the sword had already fallen on Peter to say that he was at the door. You know, they were praying and believing, but going, yeah, how are we going to get out of this? James was already, already killed. Have you ever prayed like that before? You got something big in your life that just seems so insurmountable, and you're praying for chanting, we're praying for this, we're praying for that, and it's hard to believe, and yet God hears those prayers. Don't ever stop knocking on the door. Don't ever stop asking. Don't ever stop seeking. That's part of our relationship and understanding that He is a good God. He is a good Father, and He desires to participate with you and to have us exercise this gift called prayer that we get to do with Him. 
It says that they were astonished. So the church, they were astonished and encouraged and blown away. Peter's experience encourages the other disciples as well. Peter told them immediately, hey, go and tell James and the others about what has happened to me. Get encouraged. A couple summers ago, I know this is a boatload of stories, but man, there's, I could tell, go on forever telling you stories of answered prayer. God gets all the credit. A couple summers ago, Steve Craig and I went to a Rockies game, go figure, on a Saturday. And I usually never go on Saturday, but we, I don't know, we had good seats or something. And my foot felt like I had a fracture in my heel. And I was like walking to the car, you know, I, could, I was hurting unit. And went to bed, woke up Sunday morning, came dragging into church, and Darcy and Annette, who are always at the front greeting us, um, saw me hobbling and said, well, let's pray. And they prayed over me. My foot still hurt. So I go into our pre-service meeting. (laughs) Hold on. Hold on. I go into our pre... Do you remember this? I go into our pre-service meeting... And 10 minutes later, the pain was completely gone. Now, was that coincidence? I don't think so. (laughs) When the church prays, God hears and listens and does things, and he encourages the church. He encouraged my faith, and I know it encouraged yours. And God healed me. It took 10 minutes for me to just sink in a little bit. Maybe my faith had to kick in or something, but blew me away. One more story. Ten more stories, just kidding. One more story. My very first mission trip was to El Salvador. I had never gone on a mission trip, nor had I ever led a mission trip, yet I was called to lead a bunch of high schoolers on a trip to El Salvador. And David Brecht, wherever you are in here, you're somewhere in here, he was on that trip. Where are you, David? Yep, we're still getting ripped on those Pringles, right? Funniest story ever. We're in there, you know, David kind of has this voice like this, and we're in some supermarket, and he walks up to me with a thing of Pringles, and he goes, he looked at the price and calculated it in pesos or whatever, we're getting ripped on these Pringles. <laughs> so I still say it to us, almost 30, 30 years later or so, 25 years, getting ripped on these Pringles. Get off my lawn. <laughs> You'll be perfect when that day comes for you, brother. So we're, God was stirring hearts and doing things, man, and we were out in a remote part of El Salvador, very, very poor, and um, there was this lady who was confined to this old rickety wheelchair, and uh, the kids were on fire, and they said, let's go pray that God does a miracle and raises her up, and I'm like, okay, you know, what if it doesn't happen and your faith might be, you know, and so... They went over and they prayed over her. She got up. She could not walk. They prayed over her and she stood up and started walking. She hadn't walked in years. Would that encourage your faith? It encouraged my faith. I haven't forgotten it and never will. You don't forget when God answers prayer because it makes you realize he's listening. He's answering. Don't ever give up. Some of you are in difficult situations right now. Some of you need Prayers answered. God is listening. And when the church prays, he hears, he listens, he does miracles, he encourages the church. And then lastly, 
God turns what was meant for evil for good when the church prays. Herod meant evil for Peter. Herod was, though he's accountable, Herod was a pawn in Satan's game. He was a pawn in the evil one. We have to remember that, that there is, is an evil, fallen, divine, spiritual beings that hate God. And that God's enmity is not with humanity. For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. The, the, when Paul talks about powers and principalities and rulers and authority, he has that, the evil fallen beings in mind. And they're the ones behind the evil that we see in the world deceiving people. You know, deceiving people, sowing discord, hatred. And we can't get caught up in that. That's why walking in the Spirit and walking in the love of Christ is so important at, at every situation where we can find ourselves being deceived. Romans 8.28 says, And we know in all things that God causes all things to work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. If you've never memorized a scripture, start with that one. God doesn't call evil good. He works it for good. He doesn't call bad things that happen to us good. He works them in His good sovereignty for our good because he's, he's got a purpose and a plan in how he, he works all things for that. We've seen our fair share of bad things that God worked for good. We're waiting, some of us, to see how God's going to work something that was negative or difficult or bad in our lives for good. But he will. He will. When we surrender it to him, he will work it for good. I mean, think about it. He took... The, this isn't in my notes. He took the betrayal of Judas to become our redemption. Judas's betrayal of Jesus led to his arrest, which led to the cross, which was God's plan to redeem us from sin, death, and the, the evil one. So he, that's the ultimate God working evil for good when the church prays. When, when Brian and Jill first got the news, heard the C word, for little Channing, I remember talking to Brian on the phone, and they were devastated, right? I mean, that's devastating. But I remember Brian said to me, he said, we're not turning our backs on the Lord. He's good, and he will work this for good. And I thought, they're going to be okay, no matter what. That's when the church prays. So what we want to do is we want to pray. If um, our leadership, our home group leaders, our ministry leaders, if you guys would make your way, our prayer team, just kind of fan out here, maybe that way just a little bit so we can give some space. Um, if our worship team could come back up. We're going to take time for the rest of the time that we have together to pray. They're going to go back into a, a worship song lightly. And if you want prayer for anything, maybe you have a health need, maybe you have financial need, a relational need, circumstances, whatever your need is, these guys are, are, are eager 
to pray. And we're going to pray for one another. So would you stand with me? as God's moving on your heart and you need prayer for something, why don't you come to one of our team up here and begin to let God move in your life? Because when God, when the church prays, God hears, he does things. Maybe it's the start for some of you this morning. And if you, if you don't need prayer or something doesn't come to your mind, would you pray as well for everybody that makes their, their, their way up here this morning? Move as you feel led to get prayer. Don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed to get prayer. We're here for one another. I need prayer constantly. Let God touch your life this morning. If you're online, Ben and Andrea Drake are online, and you can begin to put your prayer requests in the chat, and they'll be glad to pray with you as well.
Well, God's moving. He's moving in lives, moving in our church. Can we give him some serious praise? Lord, we love you. Thanks for moving in our midst. Thank you that you're always ready and willing to answer prayer. Lord, we want to participate with you and what you're doing in the world and people's lives. May God bless each one of you with the radiance of of Jesus' glory. His joy, His peace are yours today and forevermore. Jesus, be glorified in everything we do, we pray in your name. Amen.